0: all of us maybe there's maybe some of you have like big families like these never-ending circles of extended family there's some of you in here that's just like mom dad and the kids and that's it and then there are some of you who are in life stages to where maybe your family is just yourself at this point we all have this unique experience and relationship with this word family and so let's let's go to the text first and we'll, we'll jump into that and um see what the Lord has to say about this. Um, In Mark chapter 3 verses 31 through 35 the word of the Lord reads this way it says and his mother and his mother and his brothers came standing outside they sent to him and called him and the crowd was sitting around him and they said to him your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you and he answered them who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my mother. He is my brother and sister and mother. So I want to take this passage, let this passage just sit on us for a moment, because when we read that, some of us and maybe a lot of us got a little bit uncomfortable, kind of like a like what does what does that what does that mean? That Jesus kind of just stiff armed his mom and said, This is my family. See, the people that Jesus was talking to have a lot in common with us in 2019 that we place a preeminence and a deep, deep value on the nuclear family. But what I mean by nuclear family, I'm going to use that term quite a bit. The nuclear family, what I mean by that is mom, dad, brother, sister, son, daughter, Mimi, Papa, whatever your family calls them, the nuclear family. So what Jesus was saying to these people probably ruffled some feathers, it probably made them feel a little bit uncomfortable, just like it has, maybe does you. And if you want to get a little bit more uncomfortable, if you jump up into verse 20, which kind of causes this whole scene to take place, um, what is going on? In verse 20, Jesus it says, Jesus enters his house, and the crowd, it said the crowd gathered so much so that they were not even, even able to eat. So what's happening is these crowds were encroaching on family dinner time. They were interrupting family time. And, and so much so, Jesus' mother comes out and says, Hey, come on, come, it's time for dinner. And somebody says, Hey, Jesus, your family wants you. And he says, Who is my family? And he looks at everybody there around him that's following him and says, Those who do the will of God are my family. Those, what, he's saying there is like, what he's saying there is like Jesus is saying that those people who believe in him are literal family. They're not just kind of family. They're not like family. They are family, period, end of story. Now let me explain this. What Jesus is not saying here is he's not saying the nuclear family is like unimportant. He's not, say, he's not trying to demean the nuclear family and say it's not valuable. He's not trying to put it down. But what what he's doing is he's taking this opportunity to emphasize and elevate the importance of the greater, spiritual, eternal family that we will have in the Lord, where God is our Father, Jesus is our older brother, and we are united as brothers and and sisters. And so let let me say this as well, that... Obviously the relate I'm not we're not Jesus is not trying to say like the relationship with your spouse and your parents and your kids aren't going to not are no longer going to be the most important earthly relationships you have. Obviously they are. But what he's saying is like we must learn to situate our families, our nuclear families, within the realm of the family of God. That that where our church family and our nuclear family are not these separate social entities that are competing for the same resources and time and attention, but rather that the family of God is a place where you and your nuclear family can belong alongside other siblings, other families to care for and to be cared for, both for the good of your family and the glory of Jesus. He's not saying that the nuclear family is not important. He's saying there is a greater spiritual family into which your family and you belong to equally as family. Let me try to put it this way. Um, I have this metaphor rattling in my head all week that made, makes total sense in my head. I don't know if it's going to translate, but we're going to try. So here we go. Olive Garden. Okay, we've heard of Olive Garden. All right, they have this tagline that says, when you're here, you're family. Okay? When you're here your family. They used to have that until Post Malone bought it, but if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. Um, but so when you're here your family. So let's test that out a little bit. Let's think about it. Say you go to the Olive Garden this afternoon. You, you walk into Olive Garden. There's somebody there in front of you. They greet you with a smile. They say, "Welcome. Glad you're here." They show you to a place where you can be seated. Then another person from Olive Garden comes up and they say, "Hey, what can we get you to what what can we get you to drink?" And then in inevitably there's going to be two or three other people from Olive Garden come by at some point and say, hey, is there anything we can get for you? Like, anything you need, we're here for you. Like, just ask. And then after, after the dinner's over, somebody's going to come up and clean up after you, and then you're going, to, you're going to stand up, and you're going to leave some money, and you're going to walk out. And then maybe next week you come back to Olive Garden and do the same thing over again, but you probably don't remember the people, may or may not remember the people who served you last time or their name, or you really don't know anything about their lives. And if that sounds familiar to you, that's because that is really similar to the exchange we have when we begin viewing the church, not as a family, but as an event to attend. Think about this. Go with me here. If, tell me if you've had this experience. You walk into a church. There's somebody there. It's a smile. They greet you. Glad you're here. Welcome. Why don't you come this way? There's some drinks. Maybe coffee. And here's where you're going to be seated, and then hopefully throughout the service there's several people who say hey whatever you need if you need something please reach out to us we would love to serve and help you and then when it's all over you stand up you may or may not leave money and you walk out <laughs> you come back the next you could come back the next week and it might be the same thing all over again to where you but you might not even remember the people you talked to and sat next to and so when we view the church as an event to attend, it becomes transactional. And God forbid we have a family culture like that. God forbid that when we say family culture, that's what we mean. Now, here's the metaphor part. Let's compare that um, to a family dinner. So you walk in your house or walk into somebody's house that's your family. Lots of things going on. Hopefully you got greeted. Maybe not, who knows. You walk in. There's a lot of things going on. You may have to be the one that cooks the dinner. Or you may have to clean off the laundry off the table. I don't know if people put their laundry on the table. We do. But anyway. Um, clean off stuff to make room to eat. And you know everybody is going to have to contribute in some way or tonight's not going to go very well. And then you sit down with these people across the table with the same people you've been rubbing shoulders with throughout the week. They know your highs, they know your lows, they know your wins and losses that week, they know that if you go out, if you can afford to add the guac or not, they know every—not every—they know about you, right? And these are probably also the same people who, from time to time, really frustrate you and annoy you, but also the same people you have some really good inside jokes with. But at the end of the day, you know that those people are the place where you belong. It's the place where you're wanted. It's the place where you're, you know you can be cared for, care for others. It's a place where you're loved. So my metaphor is, and maybe a simile, I don't remember, um, is let's not have an, an olive garden type family culture, but a family dinner type family culture. So I said, I said earlier that, uh, that Jesus, the Scripture, tells us that the family, that, that the church is a family. And if his word is true and authoritative, which it is, he has said that we are reconciled to him first and then to each other, and we should treat each other as family. Now, if that is all true, and we would consider ourselves family the way Jesus says we should, for his glory and for our good... What should that change about us? What should our church look like? What should it smell like, sound like? All these different things. Both, What should our experience be, both with each other, but also our reputation in the community? What changes about us when we view ourselves as literal family? And this is where I want to take us to um, the book of Colossians in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. This is going to give us a good picture of, okay, we are family now. How does a healthy family function? Colossians 3, 12-17 reads this. Did I go off? Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, he's saying put these things on, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the Lord... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. So when I used to read this passage in the past, and probably a more recent past sometimes, I I still feel this way. Is it, I, I would read this passage and say, okay. Because if you jump up here to the very first of this, it's putting on the new self. After you have become a Christian and raised with Christ, that's the beginning of chapter 3. I recommend you read it all. Um, in the past, I would read this and say, okay, now that I'm a Christian, I need to be a humble, compassionate person that forgives people. And if I can do those things and just be a nice person, then like, bam, I, I, I got it. Christian. Mastery, Like i I passed the test and I read these passages thinking solely kind of of myself and like how if I did these things, how that related me to God and how he would feel about me. In reading it that way, as an individual passage about me, we miss the entire point. The, the entire passage here is about how I relate to God through you. It's, this passage is about how I relate to you. And, this, and, this, and also, the, I, I want to point out this passage isn't telling us like to be compassionate and humble towards just a random strangers on the street, although we should be. But this passage is specifically telling us to act a certain way to a specific group of people. And this letter was written to the local church. So all Christians are our brothers or sisters, but expressed through the local church. So this passage is saying, put these things on and treat these people this way. See, we, we talk a lot about being a missional church here. Um, we talk about being a church that's uh, it's for the community and for the city. We talk about um, your spheres of influence and proclaiming the gospel in your, in your work and in your neighborhood and all of those things. We want to be a church that expresses the love of Christ to our city and beyond, right? But hear me on this. If you don't take anything else away but this line today, I want, to, I want us to wrap our minds around this. We cannot export the love of Christ if we cannot first import the love of Christ to one another. I'm not sure how exporting, importing works, but I think that makes sense. So we cannot export the love of Christ to the nations, to our community, to our neighborhood if we cannot first import it to one another. We cannot have legitimacy when we speak about the gospel if we cannot practice the gospel on our own between one another. Uh, and so this kind of to close. We, I kind of I was telling somebody the other day I had a 42-minute sermon because I'm really passionate about family, but I marked it up to be 22 minutes long. So um, let, let, me, let me read this in John chapter 12, 34-35. It says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It took me a long time to realize this, that how I relate to God is wholly dependent on how I relate to you. What I mean by that is our vertical relationship with the Father is dependent on our horizontal relationship with one another. Jesus would tell us if we do not have love for our brothers and our sisters, then we may not have love for him, and so if these these things being true, how do we follow up this command in John where it says to love one another? This commandment. How should we treat one another in the way that was described in Colossians? And I I, I wrote down a few things here as we close up. Number one is we show up. We show up. Like I cannot follow these commands without you, nor can you follow them without me. The one another's in the Bible, we have to have one another to follow those commands. You see, when I say show up, I don't mean on a Sunday, Wednesday night. We don't have Wednesday nights, but you are not called to attend a service. You are called to love and belong to a certain group of people. You are not called to a service. You are called to belong and love a people. The scriptures would instruct us to organize our lives around the church and that doesn't mean to organize your life around a Sunday morning but to orient your life around the lives of the people that you would call family. To orient your life around the lives of the people that you would call family. And this may sound like a, that may sound like wow, that sounds like a big deal. We already do this on a really small scale in our nuclear family. Jesus is asking that we would do it on a bigger, grander scale for the greater spiritual eternal family. The first thing we have to do is show up. Secondly, practice dependence, practice dependence, or practice dependency. We need each other, Like you are not like a one-woman wolf pack or a one-man wrecking crew. No, no matter how much you may want to be or think you are, it's simply not true. You, you are simply, I am simply a member of a larger body that needs the other members to function well and rightly. If we look at passage, the verse in Colossians, verse 16, this passage instructs us to, to let the Word... Let's go back to it. It says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. In all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thank- thankfulness in your hearts to God. My uh, notes got messed up. Give me a moment, or oh, I lost. There it is. Lost it. So, the third thing I would I would say is that we have to do is practice dependence. The second thing is practice dependency. Third place is embrace family culture. Embrace family culture. Embrace family dynamics. What this would look like is that no doubt there are going to be people in the church, you included, who are going to hurt us. We will hurt them. We will let them down. That's part of family dynamics. But the same people that may annoy you or bother you the most are the same people that are going to, that are going to be there when others may scatter. You see, the saying goes, you don't get to pick your family. And that's true of your spiritual family as well. But you have been called to love those people. Uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, a person that, that, I, that I love, he wrote this about church, family, and community. The person who, loves their dr- person who loves their own dream of community will destroy that community. But the person who loves those around them, no matter what, will create a healthy and thriving community. We will mess up, each of us. We will let each other down But the solution isn't to withdraw or grow bitter from those people, but actually to lean in and love those people that God has put in your life through the church. Let's close up this way. Why does all this matter? Why why does it matter that we would recognize that the gospel calls us as a church to be a family? Because honestly, all of that sounds difficult Sounds like sacrifice, it sounds uncomfortable. Why would we want to do that? And why does that make us feel uncomfortable? And I would say, firstly, we've been sold a lie. First by our hearts and then by our, by our culture. And that's, that's this statement, that we have been promised that our own personal autonomy, our own personal good, that looking out for what's best for me and for my family is the main pathway to maximizing personal happiness. That my own personal autonomy, we, we say things like, when we make a decision like, I just got to do what's best for me and my family, we have been told that that is the primary pathway to maximizing our personal happiness. And that is a lie. The scriptures would tell us that we have not been created to be autonomous. We have not been designed to think of ourselves before others. We were created in the mold of Jesus Christ. Bearing his likeness and true fulfillment in joy, hope, and peace comes from modeling our life after the sacrificial life of Jesus. And beyond that, your relationship to him is best experienced and practiced in relationship to the community and family of God as brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are are grateful. that you are a father, and we're grateful for Jesus as an older brother, and through him that you would unite us as brothers and sisters in a family, that the way that we love each other would be both healthy for us and uh, would show an unbelieving world the love that you have for your people, and you would save people through seeing how we love each other. Lord, we are grateful. We ask all this in your name. Amen.